0: Hi, and welcome to Sleep Tight Relax. A short message for grown-ups. and long, dialogue-free sleep sounds. That's four sleep stories a week, plus our popular music and soundscape episodes. Please visit sleeptightpremium.com to subscribe or follow the link in our show notes. Thank you. Hi there, this is Cheryl. And welcome to this episode of Sleep Tight Relax. Sounds, music, and stories for calming busy minds. In this episode, I am going to share another part of the Campfire Girls of Roselawn. In this episode, Dairy and Bird come home for a short visit. Jesse and Amy are happy to see them and they finish setting up the radio. They all spend some time listening and then visit before the boys head off the next day. They have an unusual visitor at the house and Jesse and Amy are thinking about her often as they go about their early days of vacation. let's do our short sleep time routine. Let's start by doing a few big stretches. Start by reaching with your hands upwards. Keep reaching up as far as you can, just as if you are picking stars out of the sky. Hold your hands up And then relax by bringing your arms slowly down to your sides. Let's do this a couple more times. Reach your hands up. Hold them up, counting to five. And then relax and bring them slowly down to your sides. get cozy and comfortable. You have found your comfortable place, your place to relax, or your favorite position in bed. You might position your pillows, a teddy, or your other little comforts to make sure that everything feels as it should. Close your eyes if you can and take a deep, slow belly breath, breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. Breathe in and breathe out. Take a few more deep breaths and try to breathe as if completely filling your belly, feeling it rise and fall. Now, just breathe naturally not doing anything special, just breathing as you normally would. I hope you enjoy this episode's sleep story and have a deep and restful sleep. The Campfire Girls of Rose Lawn, Part Three. Two young fellows were hurrying in from the boulevard. The first one, Derry Drew, was tall and slim and dark. The other, Birdwell Alling, was stocky and sandy of complexion, with sharp, twinkling pond blue eyes. It was Derry who hailed Jessie on the ground and Amy leaning out of the window above. "I say, fellows, have you seen a couple of young ladies around here who have just finished their junior year with flying colors? We expected to find them sitting high and dry on the front porch, ready to receive company." "Sure we did," added Bird. They have taken the highest degree and have been commended by their instructors for excellent behavior. I declare, is that Miss Amy Drew? demanded Bird, sticking a half dollar in his eye like a monocle and apparently observing Amy for the first time. It is not, said Amy sharply. Brush by. I don't speak to strange young men but Derry had come to Jesse and shaken hands. Awfully glad to see you, Jess, the tall young fellow said. It's nice to have you home again, Derry, she returned. Amy ran down again then in her usual harem-scarum fashion and the conversation became general. How had the girls finished their high school year? And how had the boys managed to stay a whole year at Yale without being asked to leave for the good of the undergraduate body? Was the Marigold a real yacht or just a rowboat with a kicker behind? And what were the girls doing in their present clothes? The wires, cried Bert. Is it a trapeze? Are we going to have a summer circus in Roselawn? We shall have if you remain around here, was Amy's saucy reply. And that is no trapeze, I'll have you know. A high wire? Who walks on it, you or Jess? Oh, bird, said Terry, it's radio. Don't you recognize an aerial when you see it? You have a fine ground connection, scoffed Bird. Don't you worry about us, Jessie took heart to say. We know just what to do. Go upstairs again, Amy, and haul up this end of the contraption. I've got it untwisted. A little later, when the aerial was secure and Jessie went practically to work affixing the ground connection, Darrington Drew said, Why, I believe you girls do know what you are doing. Don't you suppose we girls know anything at all, Derry? Demanded his sister from overhead. You boys have very little on us. Don't you want us to help you? Handsome Derry asked, grinning up at her. Not unless you approach the matter with the proper spirit, Jessie put in. "'No lofty, high-and-mighty way goes with us girls. "'We can be met only on a plane of equality. "'But if you want to,' she added, smiling, "'you can go up to my room where Amy is and pull that rope tighter. "'I admit that your masculine muscles do have their uses.' They were still having a lot of fun out of the securing of the aerials when suddenly Bird discovered a figure planted on the gravel behind him. He swept off his calf and an elaborate bow and cried, We have company. Introduce me, Amy, Jess. This young lady, smarty, croaked a hoarse voice. I don't want to be introduced to nobody. I want to know if you've seen Bertha. "'Big Bertha?' began Bird, who was as much determined on joking as Amy herself. But Jessie, her attention drawn to the freckled-faced child, who stood there so composedly, motioned to Bert to halt. She approached and in her usual kindly manner asked what the strange child wanted. It really was difficult to look seriously at the little thing. She might have been 12 years old, but she was so slight and thin-looking that it was hard to believe she had reached that age. And her sharp little face was so covered with freckles that one could scarcely see what its real expression was. Bertha who? Jessie asked quietly. What Bertha are you looking for? Cousin Bertha, she's an orphan like me, said the freckled little girl. I ain't got anybody that belongs to me but Bertha, and Bertha ain't got anybody that belongs to her but me. Bird and Amy were still inclined to be amused, but Derry Drew took his cue from Jessie if he did not find a sympathetic cord touched in his own nature by the child's speech and her forlorn appearance. For she was forlorn. She wore no denim uniform, such as Amy had mentioned on the previous occasion as being the mark of the usual orphan. But it was quite plain that the freckle-faced girl had nobody to care much for her or about her. I wish you would explain a little more, dear, said Jessie kindly. Why did you come here to ask for your cousin Bertha? Cause I'm asking at every house along this street. I told Mrs. Foley I would, and she said I was ridiculous. And the child made the statement quite as a matter of course. Who is Mrs. Foley? She's a lady I help. When Mom passed, Mrs. Foley lived in the next apartment. She took me in. She brought me out here to Dogtown when she moved. Why, breathed Amy with a shudder, she's one of those awful Dogtown children. Put a stopper on that, Amy, exclaimed Derry promptly. But the freckle-faced girl had heard her. She glared at the older girl. The girl so much better situated than herself and her pale eyes snapped you don't have to touch me she said sharply i won't hurt you oh amy murmured her friend but amy drew was not at all bad at heart or intentionally unkind and she blushed and the tears sprang to her eyes oh i didn't mean Forgive me, little girl. What is your name? I'll help you find your cousin. My name's Henrietta. They call me Hen. You needn't mind gushing over me. I know how you feel. I'd feel just the same if I wore your clothes and you wore mine. By Ginger, exclaimed Bird under his breath. There is philosophy for you. But Jessie felt hurt that Amy should have spoken so thoughtlessly about the strange child. She took Henrietta's hand and led the freckled girl to the side steps where they could sit down. "'Now tell me about Bertha and why you are looking for her along Bonwood Boulevard,' said Jessie. "'Do you wear these pants all the time?' asked Henrietta suddenly, "'smoothing Jessie's overalls. "'I believe I'd like to wear them too. "'They are something like little Billy Foley's rompers.' "'I don't wear them all the time,' said Jessie patiently. "'But about Bertha? "'She's my cousin. "'She lived with us before Mom passed. "'She went away to work. "'Something happened where she worked, I guess. "'I don't know what it was. "'But Bertha wrote to me. "'I can read written letters.' added the child proudly. Bertha said she was coming out to see me this week, but she didn't come. But why should you think, let me tell you, said Henrietta eagerly. That woman that hired Bertha came to Foley's day before yesterday trying to find Bertha. She said Bertha'd run away from her, but Bertha had a right to run away, didn't she? I don't know. I suppose so unless the woman had adopted her or something, confessed Jessie, rather puzzled. Bertha wasn't no more adopted than I am. Mrs. Foley ain't adopted me, and I wouldn't want to be a Foley. And if you are adopted, you have to take the name of the folks you live with. So Bertha wasn't adopted, and she had a right to run away. But she didn't get to dog town. But you think she might have come this way? Yep. She's never been to see me since we moved to Dogtown, so she maybe lost her way. Or she saw that woman and was scared. I'm looking to see if anybody's seen her, said the child getting up briskly. I guess you folks ain't, has you? I'm afraid not, said Jessie thoughtfully. But we will be on the lookout for her. You can come back again and ask me any time you like. The freckle-faced child looked her over curiously. What do you say that for? She demanded. You don't like me. I ain't pretty. And you're pretty. And that other girl? She said this rather grudgingly. Even if you do wear overalls. Why, I want to help you, said Jessie somewhat startled by the strange girl's downright way of speaking. "'You got a job for me up here?' asked Henrietta promptly. "'Guess I'd rather work for you than for the Foley's.' "'Don't the Foley's treat you kindly?' Amy ventured, really feeling an interest in the strange child. "'Guess she treats me as kind as a lady can when she's got six kids.' Henrietta said with weariness, but I'd like to wear better clothes. I wouldn't mind even wearing them overall things while I worked if I had better to wear other times. She looked down at her faded gingham, the patched stockings, the broken shoes. She wore no hat. Really, she was a miserable-looking little thing and the four more fortunate young people all considered this fact silently as Henrietta moved slowly away and went down the path to the street. Come and see me again, Henrietta, Jessie called after her. The freckled child nodded, but she did not look around. Derry said rather seriously, Too bad about the kid. We ought to do something for her. To begin a good, soapy bath, said his sister, not unkindly. She's the limit, chuckled Bird Hen, is some bird I'll say. I wonder, began Jessie, But Amy broke in with, to think of her hunting up and down the boulevard for her cousin. And she didn't even tell us what Bertha looked like or how old she is, or anything. My! I wonder if we ought not to have asked her for more particulars, murmured Jessie. It is strange we should hear of another girl. But the others paid no attention at the moment to what Jessie was saying. It was plain that Amy did not at all comprehend what her chum was thinking. The lively one had forgotten altogether about the girl she and Jessie had seen driving away in the big French car. That afternoon, Mr. Norwood brought home the radio receiving set in the automobile. The two girls, with a very little help but a lot of suggestions from Derry and Bird, proceeded to establish the set on a table in Jesse's room and attach the lead-in wire and the ground wire. Jesse had bought a Galena crystal mounted, as that was more satisfactory, the book said. After all the parts of the radio set had been assembled and the connections made, the first essential operation if they were to make use of the invention at once, was to adjust the tiny piece of wire, the cat's whiskers, which lightly rests on the crystal detector, to a sensitive point. Jesse, who had read the instruction book carefully, knew that this adjustment might be made in several different ways. One satisfactory way is by the use of a miniature buzzer transmitter. What are we going to hear? Amy demanded eagerly. How are you going to tune her, Jess? As there are only three sets of headphones, grumbled Bird, one of us is bound to have to wait. We can take turns, Jessie said eagerly. What time is it, Derry? Almost eight, Jess. Then there is a concert about to start at that station not more than 30 miles away from here. We ought to hear that fine, declared the hostess of the party. What is the wavelength? Amy asked. 360. We can easily get it, said Jessie, adjusting the buzzer a little, the phones at her ears. Eagerly, they settled down to listen in. At least three of them listened. Derry said that he felt like the fifth wheel of an automobile, the one tied on behind. I shall have to get an amplifier, Jessie murmured. At first she heard only a scratchy sound, then a murmur growing louder as she tuned the instrument to the required wavelength. The murmurous sound grew louder, more distinct. Amy squealed right out loud, for it seemed as though someone had said in her ear, and will be followed by the sextet from Lucia. I thank you. We're just in time, said Bird. They are going to begin the concert. String music, reaching their ears so wonderfully, hushed their speech. But Derry got close to his sister, stretching his ear too, to hear the sounds. The introduction to the famous composition was played brilliantly. Then the voices of the singers traveled to the little group in Jessie's room from the broadcasting station thirty miles away. Isn't it wonderful? Wonderful, murmured Amy. Shh, admonished her chum. When the number was ended, Bird removed his head harness and gravely shook hands with Jessie. Some girl you are, he declared. Don't ever go to college, Jess. It will spoil your initiative. Wait, commanded Jessie. Here comes something else. You take my ear tabs, Derry. Wait a minute, cried Amy, who still had her phones to her ears. Ugh. Then she groaned horribly. It's a lecture. Oh, how awful. Here, you listen in, Derry. What's it all about? Asked her brother. A talk on the home beautiful, giggled Bird. Come on, Derry, you can have my phones too. Let's get a rain check for the lecture, suggested Bird. It will last only 20 minutes according to the schedule, Jessie said with a sigh. It was such a fine plaything that she disliked giving it up for a minute. They talked on all kinds of subjects. Boys had had no time before to tell the girls about the marigold. Just such another craft it was evident had never come off the ways. And it is big enough to take out a party of a dozen, Derry declared. Sometime this summer we are going to get up a nice crowd and sail as far as Bar Harbor, maybe. "'Why not to the Bahamas, Derry?' drawled his sister. "'Oh, and there, too,' said Derry stoutly. "'Oh, the marigold is a seaworthy craft. "'We are going down to Atlantic Highlands in her next.' "'The girls had news to relate to the boys as well. "'The Church Society was going to have a summer bazaar "'on the Fourth of July.' and a prize had been offered by the committee in charge for the most novel suggestion for the money-making stunt at the lawn party. I hope they will make enough to pay Dr. Stanley's salary, Derry said. We want to raise his salary, Jessie told him. With all those children, I don't see how he gets on. He wouldn't get on at all if it wasn't for Nell, said Amy warmly. She is a wonderful manager. The boys departed for City Island and the Marigold the next morning, but they promised to return from their trip to Atlantic Highlands in time for the church bazaar. For the next few days, Jessie and Amy were busy almost all day long and evening, too, with the radio. They even listened to the weather predictions and the agricultural report and market prices. The Norwood home never had been so popular before. People, especially Jesse's school friends, were coming to the house constantly to look at the radio set and to listen in on the airways. The interest they all took in it was amusing. You see, Mumsy, laughed Jessie, when she and her mother were alone one day. If my radio set were downstairs here, I wouldn't have much use of it. Even old Mrs. Grimsey has been in twice to talk about it, and yesterday she came upstairs to try it. But she won't have one in her house, Mrs. Norwood said. I don't know. I didn't think of it before, Jessie, but do you suppose it is safe? Suppose what is safe, dear? having all those wires outside the house, Mrs. Grimsey said she would not risk it. Why not, for mercy's sake, cried Jessie, lightning when we had a shower yesterday, I was really frightened. Those wires might draw lightning, but mom gasped Jessie, didn't I show you the lightning switch? Yes, child. I told Mrs. Grimsey about that. Do you know what she said? Something funny, I suppose. She said she wouldn't trust a little thing like that. (gasps) Oh, gasped Jessie. That is dreadful. Oh, dear me, I hope you won't worry, Mumsy. It can't be so, or there would be something about it in the radio papers and in those books. In one place, I saw it said that the aerials were really preventative of lightning striking the house. I know, they used to have lightning rods on houses, especially in the country. Human beings cannot easily command the elements which nature controls. Seems to me we are disproving that right in this radio business, cried Jessie. and it is going to be wonderful. Just... Wonderful. They say moving pictures will be transmitted by radio, and there will be machines so that people can speak directly back and forth, and you'll have a picture before you of the person you are speaking to. She began to laugh again. You know what Amy says? She says she always powders her nose before she goes to the telephone. You never know who you may have to speak to, so she is ready for the new invention. Just the same, I am rather timid about the lightning, Jessie, her mother said.